Tonight on the Virtual Bible Study, we're going to talk about baptism. That's not a new subject. We've talked about it plenty of times before. But we're going to talk about tonight, is my baptism valid? It's not necessarily a question about whether we should or shouldn't be baptized. But there's a lot of different kinds of baptisms. Was the baptism that I pursued, was what I did right? Is my baptism valid? That's our question for a study tonight on the Virtual Bible Study. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible, or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia. Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931-381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And this is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday night, August the 12th. Uh, 2021, August 12, 2021. My name is Greg Gwynn. Obviously, I'm not sitting in my normal spot. I'm sitting in Jacob's spot, who's out of pocket tonight. And so my good friend Josh McCord is sitting where I usually sit. Josh, welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. Appreciate you having me. Glad you're here tonight. And our old standby, our old steady Kyle, is uh, Kyle Barnes is behind the control board. Kyle, thanks for helping us out tonight again. It's good to be here. All right. So, as we said, Jacob is out of pocket tonight, so we're kind of flying by the seat of our pants uh, and hope that we've got everything working uh, up to speed and properly. We want you to participate with us in the virtual Bible study tonight. We've got a chat room, and you can join us with comments in the chat room. We've got an email, questions at collegeview.com. Josh is going to be monitoring the email inbox. And also you can call us at 877-381-4567, toll-free 877-381-4567. We'd love to have you participate with us on the virtual Bible study tonight. So as I said in our brief intro, we've talked about baptism, I, I don't know how many times over the years on the virtual Bible study, and it's really an important subject. It's a controversial subject, Josh. Unfortunately, you wouldn't think it would necessarily be controversial, but it is. Yeah, I agree. I, I think a lot of people work to get it out of the plan, uh, unfortunately, so many times. Yeah. So our question tonight is, we, we understand uh, that many denominations practice some form of baptism. Um, in fact, I would say a vast majority of denominations right. practice some some kind of baptism. And so very often we, when we're studying with people, some things will come up that will raise this question. Well, I was baptized, but is my baptism valid? Which, Josh, I think is a good question to ask. I think it's a valid question. We shouldn't just assume that what I did, whenever I did, is okay. Yeah, I think we always got to be examining ourselves, and I think the Scriptures tell us to do that and make sure we're doing the right things in the right ways. And if I get to a point where I understand that I didn't do something in the correct way, if my baptism in this case, was invalid. Well, I need to correct it. Exactly. I got to get that right. Exactly. Uh, Paul said in Second Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse five: "Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves." And so, this idea of, of making sure, questioning, checking, making sure everything's right—that's a worthy thing, and I, uh, that is not a thing to be discouraged. Uh, and I got to say, through the years, and I, Josh, you've you've not been preaching here as long as I have, but you've probably run into this already. People come and say, you know, I was baptized years ago, and I'm not sure what I did was right. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about my baptism. Uh, so it is a question that comes to people's right. mind, and I would argue it's something that you want to be sure about. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. You know, the the we we check and double check a lot of things that are not nearly as important. You know, I'm getting ready to make a trip. I check the air pressure in my mm-hmm. car tires. Well, that's good. That's good. But that's not near as important making sure my baptism is right. Yeah, so if you don't think it's right, well, let's make sure it's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Why not be sure? Um, so we started out, we sent out some questions to our update list earlier today, uh, and we asked these questions. Number one, we ha- we actually have a New Testament example of some people who were rebaptized In Acts chapter 19, there were some men in the first verses of that chapter, Acts 19. There were some men in the city of Ephesus, 
And they ended up being baptized again. And so there was something wrong. There was something lacking in their prior baptism. And so we want to look at that text and see what we can decipher from that. So we actually have a case of someone who was baptized again. Now, we think that there are some necessary components of scriptural baptism. So we ask our email uh, list to note these things. What What's necessary concerning the proper mode of baptism, the proper authority of baptism, the proper purpose of baptism, and the proper subjects of baptism? And then based upon those observations that you've just made, why might a person choose to be re- uh, rebaptized? Maybe something about those necessary components wasn't there. And then, Josh, uh, what I think is a really interesting question because I've had this posed to me. Well, I've been I've been in the church and I've been worshiping for 50 years. You're telling me now that I probably should be baptized again. Does that mean that everything I've done for the last 50 years is null and void, not good for anything? How would we answer someone who asked that question? We want to talk about that at the end because I think that's a it's a it's an important consideration. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Okay. All right. I'm um, looking at the chat room. We've got uh, Grant and Janie in the chat room who are in Franklin. Jacob, who's not with us tonight, is uh, in the chat room, so we can get him to participate via chat. And then we've got Dwight and Michelle out in Iowa. I see Brian in California and Robert in Florida, uh, and uh, hopefully some others will join in. So we want your participation with us tonight. Let's talk about, let's go to Acts 19. And let's talk about that example of some men who were rebaptized. In Acts chapter 19, beginning at verse 1, it says, It came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said to them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him that would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, or baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. All right, so clearly we have then this very clear case of of a group of men who were baptized a second time. Now, Paul asked them a question, and that question, Josh, I think was a question probably intended on his part. We don't know what was in his mind, but very likely intended on his part to find out where these guys were. Yeah, when he started talking about the Holy Ghost, and they were kind of confused and lost, and he had to start asking some questions, which I think is wise on his part as you said find out where they're at and then we can go from there whenever we find out where you are i think it's pretty clear from the context that when he when he asked them if they had received uh uh, the gift let me go back here and see how he said have you received the holy ghost since you believe i think contextually probably he was asking have you received any miraculous measure of holy spirit because at the end of that then he's going to lay hands on them and they're going to receive miraculous powers uh obviously we we don't have the time to dive into the whole question of you know the the miraculous measures of the holy spirit that's not our point in our study tonight but uh, again i think paul's question would have been the kind of question that would have drawn them out to find out where they were spiritually and what was the level of their understanding. When they said, we don't even know if there is a Holy Ghost. We never heard of such a thing. Yeah. Well, then that, that quickly exposed the fact that there was something badly lacking in their understanding. Well, they weren't familiar with Jesus' teaching about how he was going to go away and then the comforter would come. So they were, they were, they were way back here. They had missed a whole lot. Yeah. And, and in fact, by, by missing that, they they obviously had not then been ones who submitted to the instructions of the Great Commission because right. the Great Commission in Acts or excuse me Matthew twenty eight nineteen go therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and name of the Son and name of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded. Well, they obviously couldn't have fulfilled that. They didn't even know that there was such a thing as the right. Holy Ghost. Right. So, uh, again, something lacking in their in their knowledge base and in their understanding. You know, so the point we're getting here, I think, is these fellows didn't know enough. 
when they were baptized. They didn't have a full understanding. They weren't. They they engaged in the right physical action. I think right. that's really important. Mm-hmm. Because they said when they were baptized in the name of John, John was practicing baptism by immersion. Yeah. And so the the physical act that they engaged in was correct, was accurate. Yeah. So again, what would you take away from that? That you could do, you could even physically do the right deeds, but not have the right understanding or purpose of heart, and it rendered it invalid. Yeah, yeah. So John, as as it says there, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. So it was for unto repentance, and it served a purpose. And and as much as these these people knew what to do, they had done the right things up until what they knew what to do. But now there's there's other things. Jesus came. Jesus died. He's he's uh, ascended into heaven, and now the kingdom is being preached, and the kingdom's already been established at this point. So yeah. they're way behind. You got to get yeah. caught up. And yeah. so uh, they were baptized for the wrong reason. Yeah, and and I think it's really important to point out that you know Paul's not casting off on these guys as right. horrible, immoral persons. I mean, they seem to be very honorable mm-hmm. individuals, but there's just something lacking in their past performance or obedience that needed to be corrected. Right. Doesn't mean they were bad people. In fact, their their open heartedness and their willingness to accept instruction. Indicates they were really noble people, but they still had to do the right thing. Yeah, as soon as he talked to them about what they needed to do, they were willing to do it. They they submitted to the will of God there. Yeah, and so the the text concludes uh, with them saying that they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and and then of course Paul did lay hands on them and they received the miraculous measure uh, of the Holy Spirit. So uh, again. I think it's to to the subject that we're wanting to address tonight. We actually have a case study of here of some people who were baptized over, baptized again, baptized a second time. The reason being that there was something lacking, something wrong with their first baptism, not in form, the form, the mode, the actual physical act that they had engaged was correct. But there was a lack of under, of complete knowledge and understanding when they engaged that act, and therefore they needed to do it again once they had that necessary understanding. Yeah. Well, I, I think I've heard you say the phrase before that you can't be taught wrong and baptized right. Now, these fellows weren't necessarily taught wrong. They were taught right up until they were taught John's incompletely. But, yeah, but then when they got the complete will of god then they submitted to it and yeah. i think that phrase may apply as we go down through here if yeah. you're taught wrong if you're not if you don't have the full picture you you can't be baptized in the right uh, way uh, yeah that. and that expression i i love that expression and it's certainly not original with me I, I uh when i was just a young boy years and years ago i remember preachers using that expression pretty often you can't be taught wrong and baptized right it's true and and, and it says you've got to have understanding, knowledge. You've got to be engaging in this for the right. You know, I've, I've often used the illustration, Josh, that if you don't have to know what you're doing, if, if, if what's going on in your head is, is inconsequential when it comes to baptism, then I've argued that what we ought to do is equip a special truck with a huge tank of water on the back of it. We'll get four or five strong-armed men, and we'll just run up and down the streets, and every time we catch somebody, we'll just snatch them up and dunk them in the water. Yeah. And, and claim they're saved because they have been baptized. And, and everybody says, oh, you can't do that. That's silly. That's ridiculous. Well, of course it's ridiculous. But it illustrates the point that if you don't know what you're doing, if you're not doing it for the right reason, it's not getting the job done. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Kyle, any thoughts on that, man? No, I just think it represents parts of church history, though, people may necessarily know about where people – we need to make sure we're open – to discussion, other people were open to discussion from other churches, other beliefs. Some people aren't that way more anymore. So when you make sure that they come from different baptisms, different modes of understanding, so I think it needs to be humility on our part to make sure we're learning right and be open to being corrected. So. I, th- I think I think that's an interesting point you make. You know, as you said. In years gone by, people would have said, "Well, we got to get we got to get together on this. We've got to. This is such a." elementary matter we need to get to agreement on this 
And so there were debates and so forth uh, on these kinds of Bible subjects as people tried to seek out the truth and, and make sure they understood the truth. Unfortunately, in our modern age, we've gotten to the point where people think it doesn't matter. I, you know, they don't even care. If you want to believe that, Josh, you're welcome to go ahead and believe that. I'm just, I just don't care. I'm going to yeah. believe what I want to believe. Yeah. And that's really a sad situation. This baptism is an elementary matter. We ought to be able to agree about it. Uh, and so that's the basis of our study tonight. Is my baptism valid? We know that it is. There's actually a biblical precedent for being rebaptized if there's something wrong with your baptism. So we're gonna when we come back from this break. We're going to talk about what are the necessary components. What are the things necessary in order to have a scriptural baptism? We'll get to that right after this break. Stay with us on the Virtual Bible Study. Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this. Here's a quick thought. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. Do you live in such a way that shows your love for God? What will you do today that proclaims you belong to Him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might? Think about it. Seize the day. Here's some quotes worth pondering. May we never let the things that we can't have or don't have or shouldn't have spoil our enjoyment of the things we do have and can have. Consider how much more you often suffer from your own anger and grief than from those very things for which you are angry and grieved. Man, wish I'd said that. Use your Internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. And we're back on the virtual Bible study. We're talking about the important subject of baptism. My name is Greg Gwynn. Josh McCord is joining me for our study tonight. We've got Kyle running the control board, and we want you to participate as well. Um, is my baptism valid? That's a really worthy question. We think, well, it's really more than what we just think. It's not a personal opinion. The, the New Testament teaches that there are some absolutely necessary components to a scriptural baptism the the first of them would be uh, what i refer to as the mode of baptism or the method by which you were baptized we know that there are several different modes or methods that are employed in the religious world there's immersion to be buried in water to be dunked or dipped or covered up in the water baptism by immersion some religious groups practice that. That's what we practice, and and we do it because it's clearly taught in the New Testament. Some practice baptism by sprinkling. Now, we just sprinkle a little water on the person's head, typically, and call that baptism. Some use a little bit more water than that and pour some water on the candidate's head. And then there are some people who actually engage in what I, I guess I would call just a figurative or symbolic action that they call baptism so what is the right mode how would you approach that josh how would you start well i think i'd start by going to romans 6 uh paul spent some time talking about how baptism follows the sort of the pattern of jesus dying being buried and then rising again in romans chapter 6 beginning at verse 3 says know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into jesus christ were baptized into his death Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Uh, and the key phrase, I think, is in verse 4, we're buried with him by baptism into death. Uh, a burial is, is not a couple drops of water or even or, or, or a burial. You don't just pour a little bit of dirt on. Burial yeah. is... You're so, totally buried. so my my family loved one died, and we're and we're going to go yeah. to the cemetery and bury him. We don't, as you say, we don't just sprinkle a few crumbs of dirt right. on 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 him. We cover Sorry. him yeah, up. It's, up. We totally. everybody understands burial means to yeah. be covered, and 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 you said Romans six right there calls baptism yeah. a burial. It does, and and I think so. You can argue about burial, but I I think actually the following the pattern. What did what did Jesus do? I mean, that's what baptism is. It's following that pattern of him dying, being buried, and raising again. That's what yeah. we do. 
uh, when we're baptized. Yeah, Colossians 2 verse 12 uses that same picture. Colossians 2 12 says, buried with him in baptism, where, wherein also we are risen with him through the faith, the operation of God who's raised him from the dead. So Romans 6, 3, Colossians 2 verse 12 referred to baptism as a burial. I, I really don't think that we would need more than that to establish the practice, but there is more. One of the things more is that the very word baptize or baptism means to dip or plunge or submerge or immerse. And we've explained this before on the virtual Bible study, but, but that English word baptize is what we refer to as an anglicized word. It is actually almost identical to the original Greek word that we find in our New Testament. The Greek word in our New Testament is baptizo. And when the when the, the uh, uh, some of the earliest English translators came to that word, history, history historical accounts at least tell us that they they were kind of conflicted because the practice, the very common practice in that time was to sprinkle people, sp- sprinkle babies, especially uh, for baptism. And they knew that there would be some controversy, maybe even controversy with the king who was commissioning this English translation. And so their scholarship would not let them translate baptizo as sprinkle. Uh, they were they were too proud of their scholarship to make such a, an obvious blunder as that. But they wouldn't they wouldn't translate it like it should have been as immerse. And so they made a new English word, yeah. baptize. And so, but, but every, every, without exception, every Greek expert acknowledges what the word means. The word baptizo means to dip or plunge, submerge, immerse. There's no doubt about that. There's absolutely no question about that. Well, and the the context shows you what's happening in several of these stories that we, these two passages we already looked at. Yeah. And, and, and something maybe just a step beyond that is not only do the Greek scholars of our day acknowledge that that is what the word meant, all church historians unanimously also agree that immersion, complete immersion, was the exclusive practice of Christians through the first many centuries of the church, that sprinkling didn't come along till centuries later. And so, again, we know what the word means, and we know how the people who originally complied with that command. The first Christians, we know what they did. They were immersed in water. There's just no doubt about what the proper mode should be. Um, uh, here's a quote from the uh, uh, man named Brenner, who himself is a Catholic. He said, for 1,300 years, baptism was an immersion of the person under water. A fellow named Cunningham, an Episcopalian, said baptism means immersion. And it was, and it was immersion. Uh, unless it had been so, Paul's uh, analogical argument about our being buried with Christ in baptism would have no meaning. Nothing could have been simpler than baptism in its first form. When a, when a, when a convert declared his faith in Christ, he was taken at once to the nearest pool or stream of water and plunged into it and henceforth or henceforward, he was recognized as one of the one of those in the Christian community. So that's interesting. Here's a Catholic and Episcopalian commenting on what was historically true. Now, the the churches that they identify with today don't practice that, but they don't have any problem acknowledging what the historical reality was. I don't understand that. <laughs> that's hard to believe. It? It's really hard to believe. But that's the way it is. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Dwight in the chat room says, even when Jesus was buried in the tomb, he was buried by having the entrance totally covered. So and, uh, Dwight, Dwight is saying, our baptism is a likeness to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus wasn't, they didn't just sprinkle some dirt on him when he was, he was, he was sealed up right. inside, covered right. in the tomb. Right. He was, he, he died, he was buried, he was resurrected. And that's the, and that's the symbolism of what we do. We, uh, we die to sin. We're buried in the water of baptism. We rise up to walk in newness of life. So, again, I think the question about what is the right mode or proper mode of baptism, I really think it's, it's pretty straightforward. I don't, there shouldn't be any problem about that. So, 
to our question for study tonight, is my baptism valid? Well, were you immersed? If you weren't immersed, then the answer has to be that you weren't baptized in the mode of New Testament baptism. And that being the case, you would you would be forced to the conclusion saying, I need to be baptized correctly. My, my baptism, I was sprinkled. And that's not the way they were baptized in the New Testament. I need to do that over. Yeah. Wouldn't that be right? I think it's simple. Yeah. yeah, I think it's simple. And, again, we know people who have made that determination. Not because we said so. Not because it was our personal opinion that they should do so. But because they saw it. They saw what the New Testament teaches. They wanted to comply with that. Real quickly, before we get to another break, let's talk about what's the proper authority uh, behind baptism. Who authorizes it? And, and for what reason should it be done? Well, the verse that we often refer to, Josh, is Acts 2.38, which says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It, it's, it's baptism in the name of or by the authority of Jesus Christ. Um, in, in Acts chapter 22, verse 16, the apostle uh, Paul was recounting his own conversion, and he said a man named Ananias came to him, Acts 22, verse 16, and said, Why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Again, the name of the Lord is is an expression of authority. So the authority comes from the Lord. When we are not baptizing people because the church has legislated baptism. Church doesn't church the church doesn't legislate rules and laws for God, and we're not legislating a rule or law for God. And so we're not saying you should be baptized because the College View Church of Christ says you should be baptized. Men don't have anything to do with that. It's the authority of the Lord. Yeah, right before Jesus gave the Great Commission, he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth, or, or authority. And so, yeah, I think you're exactly right. We, we just, This is what the Bible says do, and so that's what we want to do. Yeah. Um, uh, again, I think that the regular listeners to the Virtual Bible Study realize that we're really wanting Bible authority for everything we do. We want to thus saith the Lord. And that's why we teach and practice baptism, not not because I like it or my opinion is that it's a nice thing to do. But I've actually talked to people religiously who say, well, I don't think you have to be baptized. It's a, it's a, it's a good thing to do. It's a nice thing to do. Yeah. No, if, if that's it, if it, then, you know, I'm not I, I'm not going to get too excited about it. But if the Lord said to do it, if his authority instruction demand and instructs and demands it then we better do it yeah yeah as you say it's not just something we made up and we thought this would be a good idea let's just let's just tell everybody this is what they ought to do yeah yeah that's not the case at all we've got we've got clear instruction i think uh telling us this is what we must do we've got jacob in the chat room sorry jacob couldn't be with us tonight but he says many denominations do not deny that baptism was a burial in the new testament but conclude that it just doesn't matter and then he goes on to say, if it doesn't matter, what else doesn't matter? How about confessing faith in Jesus? Does that matter? No, and I would add to exactly what Jacob is saying there. Who gets to say what matters? You know, if, if I can say, well, baptism in the New Testament was immersion. There's no doubt about that. But we just don't think that that matters. That much. Well, who is it that, that made you the arbiter of what matters and what doesn't matter? That's not you know, that's not your venue that's not your purview you don't get to do that kyle any thoughts no i think it's the bible we have to we have to establish the basis of authority and once you've established that there can be no outside you can't feelings think so's you must use the base of authority which is the bible well my preacher says though my preacher says that it doesn't matter my preacher says you don't have to be baptized so am i going to go by my preacher's authority or am I going to buy the Lord Jesus Christ as authority? Yeah, the answer is simple. We say, well, yeah. God said it, and he wrote it down for me to read yeah. it and, and know what to do. Yeah. Uh, in the chat room, Brian in California says, is there more than a grammatical distinction between being baptized into versus in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost? Uh, probably. Uh, in other words, we're ba- Galatians chapter uh, 3 
verse 27 says, uh, as many as you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So I think at least there in Galatians 3.27, being baptized into Christ describes where it puts me. Yeah. After I've yeah. after I've been baptized, I'm in Christ, where all spiritual blessings are. Ephesians one verse three. But if I'm baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, then that's a, that's a statement denoting by what authority right. the act is engaged. So I think they're probably and and I I don't know and and uh, Brian I'm I'm not sure I, I would cover every passage there, but but in 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 those respects I think there is a difference between in the name of and in to. There's a difference. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Let's grab our, let's grab our break. Uh, when we come back, we want to talk about the purpose. Why are we doing it? And that's really important. And we'll talk about that when we come back from this break. Don't go away. The Virtual Bible Study will be right back after this break. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. This is Stephen Nicholson, a member of the College View Church of Christ, and I want to invite you to be a regular participant on the virtual Bible study. Your input by way of emails and phone calls are always welcome during the live program. We're also open to your suggestions about possible topics for discussion on upcoming editions of the program. We'd love to hear from you anytime. This is Greg Wynn with this week's Bullet Point. As we study and discuss important religious topics, it's not uncommon for someone to say, I disagree. This, of course, is not a bad thing, considering the fact that there is much false teaching in the world. When someone teaches that which is false, it's essential to, quote, both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict, Titus 1, verse 9. While such disagreements are not pleasant, it is imperative that we defend the truth. Sometimes, however, there are those who voice their differences but are not willing to prove why. They simply say, I disagree, but they will not explain why or offer proof for their dissenting position. This is neither honorable nor profitable in seeking the truth. Before you disagree, be sure that you are absolutely certain of what has been actually taught. Many times people misspeak and others sometimes misunderstand. Check out what the other person said by going directly to that one and by asking for clarification. This will often clear up the issue. Unfortunately, some Christians are inclined to spread rumor and innuendo rather than addressing their concerns to the one who has made the questionable statements. This ought not to be. If error has been taught, you must establish it by an appeal to the scriptures. Personal opinions are not important, and I believe or I think statements prove nothing. Book, chapter, and verse reasoning, and thus saith the Lord evidence, must be produced. There's no value in saying, I disagree, if you cannot demonstrate why you disagree. This, of course, requires diligent study of God's word so that we may identify error when we hear it and show what is right instead. The Apostle Paul said, quote, I am set for the defense of the gospel. Philippians 1, verse 17. We should be too. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And we're back on the virtual Bible study. want to remind you that the virtual Bible study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about the College View Church of Christ by going to our website, collegeview.com. Remember the peculiar spelling of College View, C-O-L-L-E-G-E-V-U-E, collegeview.com. We'd also have uh, be glad to correspond with you. We have our email inbox open all the time. And so if you need to contact us, you can do it through email, you can always call 877-381-4567. That's toll-free all week long you can call us. So let us hear from you. Talking about getting emails, we've kind of slipped up and got behind on our emails. Let's back up and catch up on these first two things we talked about. First of all, Kent in Georgia talked about those men in, in Acts 19 who were baptized again. He says the previous baptism received by those in Acts 19 was not New Testament baptism in that it was lacking essential details. This previous baptism had been received was the baptism that was administered by John during the early ministry of Christ and it, it was in, and while the Old Testament was still in force. This was only a preparatory baptism that pointed toward the coming of the promised Christ and was only for the Jews. While it was for the remission of sins, and I think you would reference uh, Mark 1, verse 4 there, such was the case in that only it only pointed toward the cross of Christ, 
and not t- toward the benefits of the death of Christ, Colossians, or excuse me, Romans 6, verses 3 and 4. The remission of sins promised during the time of John's baptism was a valid promise, but only upon an incomplete basis. It would have been like those who died faithful under the law of Moses. It took the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ for absolute remission of sins to be granted, Hebrews 9, 15. When those in Acts 19 received their first baptism, it had already ceased to be a valid ordinance because the New Testament had been operational since Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Therefore, in order for them to receive the forgiveness of their past sins, they had to obey the conditions of the gospel of Christ. So all of that, in all of that, Kent's addressing what we addressed earlier about those guys in Acts 19 who were rebaptized. Jim in, in uh, Kentucky said those people had been in Acts 19 had been baptized into the baptism of John. This baptism looked forward to the beginning of the baptism of Christ, Acts 19.4. Thus, with Jesus Christ now on his throne and his blood being shed for the remission of sins, they were taught that it was necessary to be rebaptized in the name of Christ. What was lacking was their understanding of who Jesus was and what his baptism did. It remitted sins. What was lacking was God's full revelation of his will, including his plan of salvation. I think that's exactly right. Dwight in Iowa says uh, the problem was not immersion. They were immersed, but they were baptized into John's baptism, not into Christ. And that made their baptism void. We have to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins and not in any other name. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven uh, that has been given among men which by which we must be saved. Acts 4.12. All right. And if you've got one. Uh, I do. Uh, Mohan sent an email in. Uh, and for question one, he said, John's baptism is different than the New Testament baptism to become a Christian for the remission of sins after Jesus died, was buried, and resurrected. Uh, and for question two, uh, as far as talking about the proper mode, he said proper mode has to be by immersion. Uh, and then he touched on purpose that we're about to get into. He says the purpose has to be for the remission of sins for it to be valid. Okay, good. Uh, real quickly, these other emails talking about the mode and authority uh, of baptism. Kent in Georgia says the proper mode is immersion in water. He references Acts 6 as we did Acts 8, 36 to 38, which is interesting. The baptism of the Ethiopian eunuch yeah. clearly shows went by example. They went, they both went down yeah, into the right. water and he baptized them and they came yeah, up out of the right. water. That, that's a clear picture of immersion. And then he says the proper authority is the authority of Christ expressed in the New Testament. Acts 238 and Colossians 3.17. Jim in Kentucky says the proper mode is immersion in water. He again references Acts 8, 36 and 37, the baptism of the Ethiopian eunuch. And the proper authority, he says, is Christ's authority, referencing the Great Commission, Acts 28, 18 and 19, Acts 2, verse 38. Um, Dwight says the mode needs to be as prescribed in the New Testament. That would be immersion, a burial in water, as it tells us in Romans 6, 3 and 4. The authority comes from Christ himself, and he references the Great Commission, Acts 28, 18, and 19. So we got mode and authority and purpose. Now, Mohan said that the purpose has to be for, for the remission of sins, for yeah. it to be valid. Yeah, and I think that he's exactly right. Again, this would go to an understanding. Why are we being baptized? And that, and that baptism has to be engaged with the right understanding. Those guys in Acts 19 had done the right act. They didn't have a right understanding. We learned that you have to understand what you're doing, why you're doing it from their example in Acts 19. Therefore, we need to know what we're doing and why we're doing it in order for our baptism to be valid. One of the verses that we reference so often is Acts 2.38. Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Baptism has to be for. It has to be. A newer English uh, translations say, be baptized unto the remission of sins. So we're being baptized so that our sins will be forgiven. Uh, what do you got on that? Oh, I just think Acts chapter, Acts chapter 2 is so interesting because they had just been explained to by Peter that they have taken part in crucifying the son of god and so they so in verse 37 they were pricked in their heart men and brethren what shall we do so they were they were convicted by this we just killed the son of god what do we, um, what are we wow, now what do we do yeah what do we do about that situation yeah. and then he told him repent and be baptized as you said for their remission of sin so yeah. in order to have that sin and all my sins washed away forgiven i need to be baptized and acts twenty two sixteen that we referenced earlier 
Ananias said to Saul of Tarsus, Why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Baptism is for the washing away of sins. Now, think about this. So we are familiar, very familiar with religious groups that teach that they teach a, a form of baptism. And in many instances, it actually is an immersion. But they say you're baptized in order to show that you've already been saved. Right. In other words, you, their doctrine would say you're saved at the point of faith. And then later, sometime later, it doesn't have to be real soon. It could be it could be a good while later. But at some point, you should be baptized in order to show that you have been forgiven. Yeah. That doesn't line up with those no. verses we were just re- uh, reading. No, you know, I think I think we have to be able to show that we're saved by the blood of Christ because they would agree with that, I think. And then we can we can point to Revelation 1 and verse 5 that talks about how the blood of Christ washes us, cleanses us of our sins. And and the question is, when do we come in contact with the blood of Christ? Well, yeah. we come in contact with that blood when we're baptized into Christ, into his death. And we've already looked at Romans 6. And so I think that's what we really got to show. That's the purpose. It's it's in order to have the forgiveness of sins. It's Christ's blood that, that cleanses us. There's no power in the water. It's just submitting to the will of God. Yeah. Um, I actually think there's probably a little bit more than just that. I think that's yeah. cri- cri- critically important to know that you're being baptized for the remission. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think you also need to understand that that baptism puts you into now a relationship in the body of Christ. We read earlier Galatians 3.27, we're baptized into Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're baptized by one spirit into one body, uh, Paul said. And so I think it's also important to know that baptism puts us now into an an existing relationship in the body of Christ Uh, that that not only does it forgive me then of past sins but it also puts me into a a new relationship with attendant blessings and responsibilities Uh, key on responsibilities yeah yeah Yeah, I agree so uh, uh, some understanding about the fact that you are entering into a relationship in the church would be, I think, essential information as well. Let's see what our emailers say. Now, Mohan, you already referenced Mohan, who right. said baptism has to be for the remission of sins. Kent in Georgia says the proper design or purpose of baptism is for the remission of sins, Acts 2.38. The purpose of baptism is expressed in various ways, such as into Christ, Galatians 3.27, having one's sins washed away, Acts 22.16, to be saved, Mark 16.16, 16, 1 Peter 3.21, to be baptized into one body, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. While all of these expressions vary in wording, they all point to the same goal, remission of sins in Christ into his one body, the New Testament church. I think that's well said. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim in Kentucky says, uh, let's see here. Uh, the proper purpose of baptism is for remission of sins, Acts 2.38, to be added to the body of Christ, his church, Acts 2.47. Uh, and Dwight says the purpose is for the remission of sins. He references Acts 2, verse 38. All right. So I, I think that we've got that uh, pinned down. And again, we're sort, we're sort of incorporating our, our follow-up question as we go through this question. What if my purpose for being baptized was not that? In other words, I was taught, someone said, mm-hmm. I was taught that I was forgiven at the point of faith. I was baptized later, but they, I did that uh, as sort of an, and their expression, they use an outward sign of an inward grace. In other words, I'd been saved already, and I wanted to show that. And so I was baptized as just a, a demonstration that I believed I was already forgiven. I would argue that that's not a valid baptism and that a person who had that misunderstanding should be baptized again. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and I think we can go back to our, our statement. You can't be taught wrong and baptized right. I, mean, I think that's right. I think that's right. We've got to get a break. Kyle, any thoughts before we go to a break? No, no. Good points. All right. All right. Let's grab our last break. When we get back, we've got to talk about who are proper subjects of New Testament baptism. And then, well, what? If I'm baptized again, you mean everything I've done up until this point in time in my life is null and void good for nothing we'll talk about that when we get back stay with us we're going to the top of hour right after this break on the virtual bible study 
Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks us. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the virtual Bible study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the virtual Bible study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. An author named Adam Elga wrote a book entitled On Overrating Oneself and Knowing It. This quote is from that book. When it comes to evaluating our own abilities and prospects, most non-depressed people are subject to a distorting bias. We think that we are better, friendlier, more well-liked, better leaders, and better drivers than we really are. Once we learn about this bias, we should ratchet down our self-evaluations to correct for it, but typically we don't. The Word of God says in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And we're back for the final segment of our Virtual Bible Study tonight, August 12, 2021. We're talking about baptism and asking the question, is my baptism valid? The final necessary component of valid baptism, uh, Josh, is... It has to be a proper subject. Yeah. Now, what we mean by that is that we're drawing a distinction between an, uh, a person old enough to be informed, because we've been talking about this has to be an informed decision. You have to know what you're doing versus what about an infant, a baby? Right. Well, a, a baby can't be taught. A baby can't understand. A baby can't repent. Now, we don't think they need to repent. That's a whole other subject. Are babies born in sin? We don't right. think so. The Bible doesn't say so. The New Testament doesn't teach that. In fact, the New Testament teaches just the opposite. They're born innocent. We don't have time to go there. But if they, even if they had sin, they couldn't repent. They're not capable of that kind of mental process. They can't verbally confess their faith in Jesus. They can't talk. Right. So... An infant wouldn't be a, a, a legitimate subject of New Testament baptism. They're not, right. they're not a fitting subject. They can't be baptized scripturally because they can't do the things that are involved in a scriptural baptism. Right. We just don't have authority for that. There's no example of that yeah. uh, in the New Testament. Exactly right. So, uh, again, a proper subject of New Testament baptism is someone who can be properly taught, who has the capacity to understand who, under, who understands the need to repent and willing to do so, and who can verbally confess their faith in Jesus as the only begotten Son of God, and then one who can be who who will submit to being baptized by immersion in water. In regards to that, Kent says uh, proper subject being a believer, one who believes in the deity of Christ, who has repented of their personal sins, having confessed their faith in Jesus. Uh, Jim says, um, let's see, uh, a person might choose to, oh, wait a minute, wrong point here. It says, proper subject, one who believes Jesus Christ and needs remission of their sins. And Dwight in Iowa says the proper subject would be one who gladly receives the word, as in Acts 2, verse 41. Those who gladly received his word were baptized. All right. Okay. Now, why would one, would a person, based upon all these considerations, would a, why would a person choose to be rebaptized? Would it be just merely a, a personal choice or is it actually necessary and to answer that i want to go to what our emailers said because i really think they nailed this kent in 
Georgia says, there are numerous reasons why one may choose to be rebaptized. They may not have engaged in the proper mode or action, not being immersed in water. Or they may conclude that they were baptized by the wrong authority. That is, they were baptized upon the authority of a religious denomination in order to join that denomination. Or they were baptized in order to be acceptable to family members, friends, or parents, or perhaps as a marriage compromise. Or they were not baptized for the remission of sins and into the fellowship of the New Testament church, but rather to join a human denomination. Or they were not a qualified subject for New Testament baptism. They may or may not have been a believer in the deity of Christ. They may not have repented of their personal sins. They may not have confessed Christ prior to being baptized. and so some may choose to be rebaptized due to the fact that it's obvious to them and others that they were never, that they never received the one true baptism authorized in the New Testament of Christ. With regards to others, it may be apparent that they received New Testament baptism and are identified as a member of the Church of the Lord. However, in their own mind, they may have legitimate doubts as to whether they really obeyed from their heart the gospel of Christ, either due to a lack of adequate teaching or else perhaps a lack of proper understanding. Uh, the need for being rebaptized would be obvious to all. Uh, in, in some instances, the need to be baptized would be obvious to all, but in others, it might be a matter of just a conviction mm-hmm. in my per, in, in my heart, and therefore, it would be a personal choice, but based upon conviction. Right. Yeah. Uh, Jim says a person might choose to be rebaptized because they were taught wrong. They might have been taught that believers are to be baptized. That is something. Assume. They might have been taught that believers are to be baptized, that it is something the saved do for whatever reason. In other words, already the saved person is baptized after, after salvation. They might have been taught that baptism is an ordinance of the church instead of a command to, for, for the forgiveness of sins. They might have been baptized as a baby, like me, Jim says, and then learned as an adult that such baptism is wrong. In effect, any reason whereby they were taught as the reason one needs to be baptized is if it's not what's taught in the scripture, uh, they should want to ensure that their baptism is scriptural. Uh, Dwight says it's like the baptism of John the Baptist, uh, like those who were baptized with the baptism of John the Baptist. If that baptism not done correctly for the right reason, then that baptism is of no effect. We must remember that uh, even when repenting, if one chooses to repent of only half of the sins in their life, repentance is of no effect. We must repent of According to God's word, we must be baptized according to his will. It is not our will to be done, but God's, just as Jesus said before his death. All right, all great answers, I think. I want to get to this last point, Josh. I think it's really a critical one. So, and I've had people say this. If I admit that I need to be rebaptized, then that effectively means that everything I've done, I mean, I've been in, I've been worshiping, I've been, associated with the church for all these many years, maybe 10, 20, 15, 30, 40 years. Now you're saying that my baptism wasn't right. Is everything that I've done wasted of no, no, to no avail? Is it, is it for naught? How would you answer that, Josh? That's a tough question. Uh, but I think, I think I would just approach it this way at first. You know, Regardless of the, the good I've done or, or bad I've done or whatever, at this point where I am right now, if I know that I need to make some changes to be in good standing with God, then do that and continue pressing on. You know, Paul, he he uh, talked about not forgetting those things that are behind, not getting caught up in that, good or bad, and then pressing on toward the goal. And so if I know I need to change something, I need to be rebaptized, then I need to do that and then keep on going uh, forward. Uh, I think you're exactly right about that. Uh, there, there's one element of this that I've thought about. You know, that question itself almost smacks of, I have this idea that I'm earning my salvation. So I've been, I've been, I've been working hard for 40 yeah. years and, and now they're going to wipe my slate clean. All right. the good things, all the right. good deeds that I've done, all the work that I've accomplished. That didn't matter anyway. It doesn't yeah. matter right. because I'm not earning salvation. It's going to be by God's grace and mercy that I'm saved when I obey his will. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm, I'm racking up bonus points toward my right. salvation here. It doesn't matter. Because that, because that's not the basis of my salvation anyway. So I really think that the question exposes an attitude that's not proper in itself. That that I, that I'm really trying to accumulate a, a, a long list of good deeds so that I can go before God in judgment and say, "Look at everything I've done for you." That's not right, right in itself. Yeah, when you're saying that, I thought of Luke seventeen ten. 
uh, where Jesus said, So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded, you say we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. So even if you do every religious act there is, you, you still don't deserve anything. Exactly. You've just done what was your duty in the first place. Exactly right. Kent says the very fact that one admits the need to be re-baptized is an admission that they have done uh, what... The very fact that one admits the need to be baptized is an admission that what they've done in alleged service to God is useless. Such is true due to the fact that only true Christians, those who have received scriptural New Testament baptism, are truly qualified to accomplish scriptural service to God. So he said, yeah, it's true, but so what? Uh, uh, Jim in Kentucky says, here's your options. Option One option is admit everything you've done up to now is useless before God and remain in that condition or except that God has been merciful to you and allowed you the opportunity to know the truth and serve him. One option ignores the truth of the scriptures because you're embarrassed to learn that you made a mistake. The other option does the responsible thing for any person who seeks to serve God. When you learn you are in error, according to his word, you change to conform to his word. One way, the wrong way, refuses to change because it is admitting I was wrong. The other way, right way, admits I was wrong because God shows me in his word and in seeking to please him, I change to conform to that word wherever I'm, whenever I learn I'm wrong. I think he's exactly right. Dwight in Iowa says, well, this may be so, but just as the ones baptized by John the Baptist, as the ones baptized by John Baptist, baptism, they did the right thing and that can be encouraging to them as well as others knowing that now they are right in God's sight. We need to be thankful we came to the realization of this before it was too late and be thankful God was long-suffering enough and patient enough for us to come to the truth and knowledge of his word and do the right thing. So I think those are good answers. Uh, again, this is so important, and it's really so easy to correct. Uh, through the years, Josh, I've had people come to me, old, sometimes really pretty old folks, elderly members of, uh, of the congregation said, you know, I've been trying to think back to when I was baptized, and I was pretty young, and I'm not sure I understood what I was doing properly. You know what my answer always is to that is, well, then let's fix that. It's real easy to fix. It takes just a few minutes. You now know. You now have a full understanding of the will of God, and it's an easy thing to be baptized again. Why would you go forward in doubt when it's easy to remove that doubt? Yeah, I mean, the Bible tells us about we can know that we're in a good standing with God if we keep his commandments. Yeah. So let's do that. Let's make leave all doubts on to the side. Let's yeah. make sure we're good. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Any thoughts on that, Kyle? No, it's I think uh, we make sure. I guess what's when we strive those who were baptized initially. I think that's why you and others take great pains to make sure they understand the decisions that they're making. So yeah. make sure that they do it now. The first time to do it right and then live, you know, good for the rest of their lives. I know, yeah, I, and I think I know what you're re- referencing there because lots of times when I've baptized uh, a, a relatively young person in particular, I say, now I want you to think, ab- I think I want you to think real hard about what you're doing right now and why you're doing it, so that 50 years from now, when you look back yeah. on that, you don't have to have any doubts. You knew that you were being baptized, immersed in water for the remission of sins to be added to the body of Christ. You know that, right? Yeah, I know that. Okay, so you don't ever have to worry about that again. You got that locked in. Right. I, no, think I, I think that's good. I appreciate that. Um, got a couple. Got to get to our chat room real quick before we run out of time. Uh, Brian in California says, so often we hear baptism is a work, hence it doesn't render salvation uh, because we are not saved by works. It's obedience, a submission to the will of God. It, it's it's a work of obedience, but it's not a work of merit. That's right. the difference. Right. I think Brian's right. Jacob says the person who asked that, the person who asked that, in other words, is is all my past wasted, may not intend it this way. But the question sort of indicates that we're trying to earn something. And that mm-hmm. was the point I was making. I think that's right. Jacob says you. Oh, he goes on. So you beat me to that comment. <laughs> uh, Deborah in the chat room references Matthew twenty-seven sixty-five. Look that up for me, uh, Josh. Matthew twenty-seven sixty-five. Jacob says, Deborah, would you mind explaining your reference here? And then we don't get an explanation. Um, what 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 is this? Matthew twenty-seven sixty-five? Uh, Pilate said unto them, You have a watch. Go your way and make it as sure as you can. Well, maybe maybe the point there is that expression, make it as sure as you right. can. That may be what Deborah was stressing. Yeah. And, and that's really, and if that's what she meant, I think that's a valid point. Make it as sure as you can. If you've got doubts about your baptism, why live in that doubt? It's easy yeah. enough to clear up. 
All right, good. Good points, good study. We had good participation. Thanks, everybody. We're out of time on the virtual Bible study tonight. But I hope you agree that we've talked about something really important. It's very fundamental. Baptism. Is my baptism valid? It may be that as you're listening to us from wherever you're listening, either live or in our archive form, maybe that question has been heavy on your heart. And we urge you to get that straightened out. Make sure you've been baptized according to what the New Testament teaches on that subject. Yeah, no important, no more important decision can be made. Yeah, thanks, Josh, for helping appreciate out you tonight. Me. Helped out on short notice. We appreciate that. Kyle, as always, thanks for getting us on yeah. uh, the study. Internet tonight. We appreciate you. Uh, that's, our, that's our virtual Bible study for tonight. We encourage you to join us again next week, Thursday night at 8 o'clock Central Time, for another episode of the virtual Bible study. Until that time, read and study your Bible every day. Live by it. You'll never regret it. Thanks for joining us on the virtual Bible study. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.